Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What's good, Internet? It's March 31st, 2022, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 471. I'm your host, Rob Zach, and I'm wondering, has March always had 31 days in it? I can't seem to remember. Uh, I'm joined by Patrick Klepek. I that I now know that it definitely has that because when my uh, youngest, who shout outs to Elizabeth, you know, when you're obviously going through the record of my online <laughs> history and listening to these podcasts when you're older, do know that your dad shouted out your second birthday when it was happening. Um, but uh, 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 March 30th is a friend of mine, real scumbag. We did not want uh, our daughter to share a birthday uh, with him. Uh, did not want. <laughs> Her, uh, Did you the delay birth, the birth? <laughs> well, like, co- like, go, Katie. like, like cosmically, like we, you know, like, you know, we're praying and then also didn't want it on April 1st. That just seems like a kind of a cruel birthday to have as well. Mm-hmm. So we were like, can we just take long enough to be March 31st and nailed it. So now I know there are 31 days because um, the uh, birth God shined upon us and allowed us to split the difference between those two days. Happy birthday to future <laughs> To future Elizabeth, well, you know, future she'll, she'll, radio she'll listen to this when she's, you know, five, which is the the customary time when you hand over a, a thumb drive to your child mm-hmm, and say, mm-hmm. "Time to start listening to my podcast history." Uh, Here's all of it. <laughs> Good luck. It. Uh, we also have Renata Price. Howdy, gamers. And our producer Ricardo Contreras. Yo. Uh, so today we are. Considering all things, well, all things Halo on TV, we watched the uh, pilot of the new Halo TV series for Paramount Plus slash Showtime, and no, it's definitely it's definitely Paramount Plus. It was yeah. it is it, it was a Showtime production for a long time, and then so they just still have a production credit, but they're like yeah, because they they like they shuttled it through like it was a Showtime even while it was in production, and then they said, but where we want to make our money is on Paramount Plus. Okay. Okay. I wondered about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's just get into it. Uh, the, mm. So the broad overview of the the uh, Halo TV show that's that's on Paramount Plus right now, and I have to say, Paramount Plus uh, sucks. I'm just gonna put that out there <laughs> Bad too. Bad app. Bad fucking application. Did you Bad have good. the problem? Did you have the problem that I warned you about? Oh, or a different Patrick. One? I would have loved that problem. Okay. I had the problem where I couldn't play it on my TV at all. Uh, like the interface, the interface was lagging like 15 seconds on inputs to scroll through and that made it unusable. And then the show never launched it. The circle will just spin and spin and spin. So I had to watch it, uh, on my browser, um, which was fine, but like, you know, not ideal. Yeah. If I want to watch this, uh, (laughs) this crummy action show, I'd love to do it in 4k HDR, which is my, my separate issue was like, I tried to watch it. I'd like 20 minutes before. I had to pick up my kids, you know, a couple days ago. And I was like, oh, I like sneaking a little bit of that episode. 
So I put it on like the nice TV I have at my office desk, uh, but it's a, a TCL, which is like Roku based. And then I was like, boy, this stream sure looks shitty. I was like, this game, this show looks surprisingly mm-hmm. cheap, but not the stream is making it worse. And then I Googled it and it was just like, oh, yeah, like the Roku, like the native Roku app on a TCL TV just like will not output 4K HDR. So then I had to go upstairs to like to Apple's a troublesome company, too, but they also strong arm everybody into like making sure that you get the correct and like best streams on their apps. And then it looked at least how it was supposed to look on my TV upstairs. Patrick, you said something that I'm I'm actually very curious about. Mm. You said that this show uh, looks very cheap. Yeah. And it, is it, that specifically referring to the CGI in the show? Or is that referring to the general look of the show? Because I cannot fucking determine whether or not I think that the live action portions of this show look good at times. I like if you put a gun to my head and said, Ren, <laughs> does this show look good? I would be like, I don't know. Did you watch any of the so Rob? He, yes, I watched uh, all of Forward Unto Dawn. I, okay. I, actually, oh, can we can we lay can we lay some foundational stuff here about about watch? ourselves before we get into the Halo TV show? Uh, and sure, please. Just so I know when we know the territory that we're all walking into here. Kato, Rob, Patrick, mm. what are your respective Halo histories? I don't know. Kato's shaking shit, basically. Uh, the Covenant. Kato's aliens. history is trying to get us to There's do a spark like a that's guilty. 101 yeah. <laughs> on Halo. So that exactly. you can understand Halo. So I could understand Halo. <laughs> and I'm the understand. only one who started. <laughs> God. All right. Uh, Rob? So... I'm a I'm a Halo maniac, and by by that I mean I appreciate it from afar, but I'm very curious what's happening in the world of Halo. Oh, uh, there have been a few things that have sparked some real interest. Uh, in particular, like, a, like honestly, it's made you feel guilty that you haven't like worked spark. on that spark, right? Uh, yeah, but also, so I'm gonna I'll be honest here. No, right over Rob's head. Like, I know that one. Spark. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Kato. Appreciate it's you. It's the ghost before the no, ghost. No, the audience has got my back. Uh, Listen, going. Patrick, if you want if you want to turn this episode of Waypoint Radio into basically like a number station, but for Halo lore terms, I can I can do. No, I, you're, can, no, can, no can, you're no, you're no. Based, based on uh, your comments so in the Waypoint chat uh, <laughs> when I, I referred to them as a, a grunt or a brute and then was rudely corrected for their correct alien uh, <laughs> t- t- terminology. The word "rude" is doing a lot of work here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hopefully, uh, my, thank, you. Uh, thank you, Rob. My my history with Halo is uh, th- that series is like incredibly important in the arc of like me playing games uh, when I was younger. Like Halo One and Two specifically were like the biggest things in the world. Um, like Halo Two came out when I was a sophomore in college and. Uh, Halo One was extremely popular. Where like because you could plug your Xbox into an Ethernet cord, and then you were just as part of a LAN because you were all just part of the same internet uh, in your dorm room. Um, you could at any given time find like between five and ten full games occurring just locally, like mm-hmm. in your dorm, because that's how big Halo was um, at the time. Um, but uh, like Halo lore, Halo like world building. You know, I liked those campaigns, but I was mostly there for the multiplayer and even my engagement with the campaign uh, of which I played all of them. I played every single Halo game um, and a bunch of them several times, at least for like uh, 
uh, Halo's uh, one through reach um, uh, is mostly like engaging with the campaign through my friends. Like, Oh, we played it on normal. Now let's play it on heroic. Now let's play it on legendary. Um, And actually internalizing like its world is like fairly low. um, Like in in terms of uh, what I've like taken away from the series over time. Got it. I was, I was deeply curious. I'm actually pretty close to you, Patrick, in this regard. Um, and not, not in the lore regard, but in the relationship <laughs> the series has to me, because, um, I'm really sorry for the thing I'm about to say just in advance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Halo three came out when I was uh, six or seven. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember it was, uh, I very, very vividly remember going to my, uh, later best friend's second birthday party. Um, and yelling, and, finish the fight, birthday, second grade birthday party. And there he had Halo and I had exclusively played like Nintendo games and like had like a PS2 to this point in my life. And this motherfucker had Halo. And he I had was a like, world at his birthday was, party. Was, That's fucking what? awesome. <laughs> I was like, what is this? What is this? And then someone owned me with a gravity hammer for like an hour straight. And I was like, that what is, what are my hands doing? What is this? And then oh, I got like, even just first person is like, I, yeah. I guess. Um, um, imagine being introduced to first person shooters at a fucking birthday party where you're getting <laughs> owned repeatedly. Uh, and then I went on to he and I got really into watching Halo Machinima videos at his house. So I would like go over to his house as a kid. Oh, you got red versus blue pilled, huh? I did get red versus blue. Pilled. Red versus <laughs> blue is actually how I ended up getting involved in the something awful forums and the Something Awful Let's Play community, which is how I ended up bumping into uh, Austin and Gita uh, when I was like 12 years old. God, that's um, funny. Because Red Reverse Blue was like one of the earliest examples of, like this is long before it was easy to like capture like video games and manipulate audio and video. And like Red Reverse Blue became extreme. Like that Reverse Blue was like these two soldiers on like alternate like, uh, like fields in a, like a death match or capture the flag and they just like yeah, did funny it's, voices it's over blood them. Blood Gulch, yeah. Yeah, Blood yeah. Gulch. Yeah, Blood Gulch, yeah. Like far, far and away probably like one of the best maps in, that Halo's ever ever produced and it was extremely popular. I don't know how funny it actually was. It was funny enough to get like acquired by Rooster Teeth at one point for like no, they, significant... No, so uh, it's it's the reverse order, Patrick. Oh, they, did they build Rooster Teeth so, out of Red vs. Blue? Yeah. Also, I'm going to say okay. something insane. I knew, that, I knew there was a connection but it's been a while. I'm going to say something insane that is 100% true that, is, right. a, that is a whole other thing. You cannot understand the actual structure of the modern internet without first understanding Red versus Blue and Rooster Teeth. Like it is right. the it is the fundamental text for the current structure of online, from Penny Arcade to the way websites are structured to the way that community is built in online spaces, and like how um, like we create like content creators and how we think about like multi-channel networks and that shit. Rooster Teeth is like the skeleton key for understanding the modern internet and the culture of the modern internet. It is like a fascinating entity to me. Um, This aside, all of this was like super, super influential on me. And then I also, of course, became a lore nerd because uh, a thing that has yet to come up on the show is that um, anytime I'm exposed to a system, like a, like a system of like being or a lore fact in a piece of media, I am unable to forget it i have a i have a fucking eidetic memory for bullshit which have means you ever, that I'm, have you ever met two opposite people there's I'm, ren 
And then there's Patrick. I can't remember what my favorite noodle is, so I can share in a funny a- anecdote during a during a dinner <laughs> with my colleagues. Ren, six year old Ren, cannot forget like <laughs> like looking up the name of an alien from Halo. <laughs> yeah, that might uh, be the key, though, Patrick. It's that, and then also uh, I also can't forget like systems. So like anytime I learn like a piece of like literary theory, that shit is stuck in my brain until the day that I die. Um, which is why I don't know I, that that sounds better. I don't know which of our no, worlds is it's not, preferable. It's Hold not on. Let's good. check back in with Ren when she's 35, though. <laughs> <laughs> like right now, like what I'm hearing is red versus blue imprinted. Let's see if it remains. Let's see how deep the impression was when there's all the other bullshit I that you got to keep in your head. I can explain the deep red versus blue lore. I, I have don't. that. I have. Please I don't. won't. I won't. I won't. I promise. I won't. I promise. You can do, you you can do your own spin off pod. pod. Hey, a, yeah, on this Monday, Ren's going to talk to a mic by herself and explain <laughs> red versus blue for 45 minutes. Send in your questions. So to understand red versus blue, first we have to go back to Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. What if characters become aware of their absurd plight? Anyway, uh, so also a bit of stage setting here uh, for just what is the Halo TV series about? Because I think that's already sort of set some people on edge because Silver Timeline, baby! Seems like it might be a lot of like Mandalorian uh, on this or Lone Wolf and Cub uh, like stuff happening here. But uh, the pilot episode lays out some pretty familiar like uh, groundwork for the Halo universe, which is that we open on a planet full of uh, what the UNSC calls innies, uh, which are basically the people on the like colonial planets out there in the galaxy who are basically um, like contract laborers generating natural resources for uh, the UNSC government that runs Earth and are engaged in a long running, uh, sometimes hot, sometimes uh, cold war over an independence movement, uh, basically to, you know, break away from the UNSC and like uh, actually earn fair wages for the wealth they generate uh, with their with their labor. And the UNSC has been trying to suppress and outright kill these folks for years. And we open on a a sort of stronghold of uh, miners who are working for independence. And they are very on edge because they are preparing for uh, yet another showdown with the UNSC at some point. And instead of getting that, uh, what they get is attacked by a new alien threat. Uh, our familiar, our familiar friends, the Covenant, show up, and Patrick tried to prepare, prepare me for this when we were streaming yesterday. That there'd be a lot of dead kids. I was unprepared for a back-to-back sequence of children exploding like water balloons. <laughs> and they and fucking burst. Just, just like, whoops, that leg's not there anymore. Ah, I remember this hyper-violence from the Halo yeah. series. It's one of my favorite things. The way that the person hits the tree. There's a shot where someone gets blown and like their torso hits a tree. And it's one of the most like visceral. 
I don't want to use I don't use that term often and I mm-hmm. don't use it lightly here. One of the most visceral acts of violence I've ever seen in a TV show. Just a wet meat slapping a tree in the worst <laughs> way possible. And then I was thinking, I think Patrick might have also older, oversold it because that wasn't that many kids. No, no. A few seconds can... <laughs> a few seconds later, all the miners like children run to the safety of the bunker. Yes. Let me tell you what proves not to be safe uh, from, from a brute. Oh, oh no, um, these energy swords. <laughs> a bunker Let's, full of children. Isn't that an elite? An elite. Uh, what? Sure, whatever. Excuse um, me, Sankhili. <laughs> wow. Oh my God, you're both, you're both, wow. you're both dropped from the call. I was saying this is a bit. I promise. I swear to God, I won't do this. <laughs> no, you should. I, you should. Either way, he They're cracks that much, open though. like somebody making a midnight pantry raid uh, and finds just a <laughs> bag of goldfish Christ. and just demolishes oh the God. demolishes uh, all the children of the village. Um, and then right after just about everyone is slaughtered, uh, the UNSC shows up and drops in a squad of Spartans led by Master Chief. Uh they don't save anyone. <laughs> they kill They kill the Covenant, and the only person to survive is the daughter of the leader of the colony, uh, Quan, who is taken uh, by Master Chief after he experiences some sort of weird vision interacting with uh, an, an occult uh, like object that he finds in the cave, the, the Covenant we're studying. Uh, he begins to take her back to UNSC headquarters on Reach, and that's when we sort of meet the UNSC and realize what they see here is an opportunity to strike a political bargain and uh, unite the the independence uh, like activists under their banner. And they basically try to get this girl to become their mouthpiece uh, in the wake of this attack. Instead, she says she's going if they don't grant her her terms, uh, which is granting independence to the people of her of her homeworld, uh, she will blame the UNSC for the attack. And so we meet the the fine people of the UNSC, which are various flavors of martinets and fascists and uh, <laughs> professional soldiers and mad scientists. Right. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna specifically like point out the characters who 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 are yeah. who are important here, yes. which is um, Dr. Catherine Halsey, who is the originator of the girl bossing it up here on this she is the most girl boss dr natasha mickelhone who is like awesome and one of those actresses i've never understood like why aren't you a bigger deal but that's just Mm me um dr Catherine halsey is the uh war criminal adoptive mother (laughs) of master chief um the originator of the spartan program uh she has a daughter uh miranda keys was this Um, always true Yes, Miranda okay, Keys has is, always is been Moore. Halsey's okay. daughter. Yes, so actually the show, okay, so a thing that like a lot of people, I've seen, not a lot of people, but some people complaining about is the show's like being like Laura inaccurate or like trying to like oh, twist the Oh, do they call that an adaptation? I, f- I believe that's what, like. It is an adaptation. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's not like Ren has another point though. It's it's actually doing a pretty good job because the, the point in the human covenant war that we're at in like the timeline of a series is actually lining up with how old Master Chief is, with the fact that Miranda Keys is here, because Miranda Keys was born in uh 2525, which is the beginning of the human covenant war. Uh, and so if she's in her like tw- early she looks like about 20 years old, she looks like a young military officer. Um that means that she is that Master Chief's about 34 or 35, which is how old he looks in this show. 
um, 35 going on 40, uh, which is actually pr- pretty correct for where we're at in the timeline um, based on Miranda Keys's age. And also we have Miranda Keys's father, um, Commander Keys, whose name is currently um, slipping my mind, uh, his first name. Oh, yes. Uh, Dan- Danny Sapani's the actor, Captain yes. Jacob Keys. Is this yes. the guy who is the commander of the Pillar of Autumn in the opening cutscene of the no. game? Okay. Well, yes, 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 yes. Actually, okay. yes, I believe, I, yes, it is Keys. It's just the they look very different. The actor playing Keys and the original like character looked so different. Yeah, but that, like, I just had no register. idea that, like, I, the, what was throwing me was more I just had no idea Keys had a relationship with Halsey. And I've totally missed that. Like, I don't know much about Halsey. I do know she comes up. Because the games don't communicate most of what's going on in this show, Rob. There's so (laughs) much information. Okay, so Halsey is the originator of the Spartan program. Um, The Spartan program, important to the series, is what Master Chief is. Master Chief, the other guys, they're all part of the Spartan 2 program, uh, which is the first generation of Spartans. You would think it was the Spartan ones. No, fucking idiot, dumbass, fool. Um... (laughs) It's actually this is, this is the um, second wave of kidnapping uh, children uh, mm. from their parents and replacing first them with wave. clones that that die after a couple of years. First wave, actually, the Spartan ones. Uh, a fun fact: uh, Commander Johnson, mm. the the guy the the guy who swears a lot in the video games, mm-hmm. uh, who commands the Marines, he was actually a Spartan one, uh, which mm. is to say that he has had a lot of the uh, he has a lot had a lot of physical modifications, but he had them later in life and piloted Mark One meal near armor, which is basically just a mech suit. Um, uh, I don't that, is, that deal. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's a better deal. At least, at least he had some agency in the process. <laughs> for, I don't think I don't, Master Chief did not. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this these are characters. We'll get some other things because I do because I do feel like there are some key tweaks though they made to some of the chronology here, but we'll we'll get to that in a minute. Um. That I'm, I'm curious. Maybe they're not, but to me, that's that's how they mm-hmm. read. Um, so, oh, and we also shouldn't forget uh, Admiral uh, Parangoski, who is just uh, the most ruthless, like military commander on Reach. Um, she is the one who looks at the situation and is like, we should just kill that kid. This kid's more trouble than she's worth. Let's 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 whack the kid. Mm-hmm. And because Master Chief's the only one escorting the child uh, on on his ship home. He gets the order to kill the kid and for the first time in his life defies a direct command from UNSC. And this sets up what is going to be, I think, the rest of the series, right? Is that this series opens with Master Chief going rogue, uh, the UNSC trying to both by means of hijacking his suit controls, hijacking his ship controls, carry out their intent to kill the kid. Um, but if all that fails, they are fully prepared. And this is what the climax of the episode is. They are fully prepared to basically kill him or take him into custody when they land on reach. Um, and we also learned that Halsey, despite she does, despite like having made a protest, but not appearing to be in complete mutiny here, does issue different orders to the Spartans (laughs) that appear to supersede what the UNSC can actually tell the Spartans to do. She tells the other Spartans, (laughs) anyone tries to hurt master chief, fuck their shit up. Uh, so Halsey has a private death squad, um, that seems to act, act independently of the chain of command, but all of that is mooted by the fact that the weird little artifact that Master Chief recovered from this planet turns on at a critical moment, brings power back to the ship and he and Quan escape, uh, and Quan runs fugitives. So Rob, what was that? What was that timeline stuff that you felt was off? So 
my feeling was that Spartans weren't so well known by the by the innies as the as the covenant showed up. So such they a new were. Program. OK, uh, basically, the Spartan program operated for about five years uh, okay. before the beginning of the human covenant war. Uh, or at least a few years before the beginning of the Human Covenant War, which actually is established in um, Forward Unto Dawn, uh, mm-hmm. because in Forward Unto Dawn, uh, is basically the series, the film that we watched uh, right. beforehand. Uh, the Spartan program was active fighting insurrectionists for like three or four years, and they basically became okay. a boogeyman. But so people like, the UNSC don't really know very much about it. They know them as 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 ghosts. Basically, yeah. they are like these nightmare creatures who okay. people are fucking terrified of. Oh, so this is like um, sort of like before the U.S. U.S. Army started publicizing the fact that like Delta Force existed or that like SEAL teams existed. Exactly. Like, yeah, that is that is what we're looking. So, like for example, um, Noble Six, the protagonist of Halo Reach, um, is is what is 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 referred to as a hyper lethal vector. Which is to say that Noble Six has assassinated like 150 or 160 insurrectionists and basically became like a living boogeyman. Um, he sucks uh, or, <laughs> or they suck. They are they're extremely, extremely good at murder. Uh, oh. One of the this is this was later retconned. But here's a little, little Noble Six fact. Um, Noble Six and Master Chief are the only two Spartans to ever be designated as hyper lethal vectors. Uh, which is to say that they were uh, so good at murder, the UNSC had to make a new name for them. Damn, HLVs? I love that for them. <laughs> um, we, had to, we had to make up uh, make up a rank for you. Um, oh, by the way, like, again, to the, to the theme of this being a surprisingly stacked cast, we don't see him because uh, he's all armored up, but Bokeem Woodbine is in the show as one of the, uh, I think, Spartans, right? So- Soren 6-6? Yes. The girl, so, uh, so I have the girl Spartans, just a quick note, the girl Spartans are so hot. They're so pretty. Oh, my God. Without <laughs> the, oh, my God, they're so pretty. Rob, continue. Uh, but Bokeem Woodbine, if you enjoyed season two of Fargo, uh, for instance, where he is the uh, sort mm. of... Tip of the spear for the mob moving into Fargo. Yeah. Um, yeah, he he's the guy who is like running that entire uh like mafia, like mob invasion. Um, and is the one who at the end gets what he wants, uh, power and authority, and that means moving into the the organized crime part of the business and yeah. leaving behind the crime lord, uh crime lord trade. Uh but he's uh uh he's a great performer uh and so I'm I'm excited to see uh what they what they do with him. Uh Mike Milligan was his character's name in uh in Fargo. However, for all as promising as all these things are, how did we feel about the first let's say third of the episode, the laying <laughs> the groundwork and the attack? How did we feel about the big action sequence and the the groundwork that they were laying at the start. Bad. So, do we want to talk about <laughs> the video game shots or? <laughs> I think, I think those, are, you... those are the least. Those are the least egregious. I yeah, think. Those, those, really? those are not. Those are not bad. I think those are totally. I, I think that. those are totally fine. I honestly. suppose you hated Doom. Yes. What? The movie? <laughs> yes. I've never seen it. Well, I which assume one? it's there's bad. Two, there's two of them. There's two Doom films, actually. There's the one with Dwayne Johnson, and there's the one that they did a couple years back. It's a different movie. It doesn't have the first one. The Dwayne Johnson one's surprisingly good. That's what I'm saying. My yeah. position is it's like, it's schlock, but it's actually It's very good schlock. I'm, I'm with you, Rob. Um, I, would, I think that the smart thing that the show is doing, 
with this first sequence, and if, if, if they follow through on it, it will be really cool, is they were establishing the rules of, of combat in this show from here on out. They are giving us all of, all of the puzzle pieces for how we are going to think about fights in this series from here on forward. The fact that, just like in the video games, the sh- like Master Chief's like recharging energy shield is an essential part <laughs> of understanding how to play the video game Halo. The fact that Master Chief has a recharging energy shield is going to be an essential part of how we think about tactical engagements and combat going forward. Do and they I can- communicate that effectively, though? I feel yeah. like only yeah. if you've like played the- aesthetic flourishes. Only yes, if you've played you, the Kato. game because the mm, fucking yeah. noise happened. I don't think a single person would be able to look at this and go, I know what's happening here. Exactly. Well, because no, I I will push back against this because if you look at the impact of the of the plasma bolts on the Spartan armor, there is a very clear there is an energy shield effect yeah. happening that I, I you agree watch with you that it's, break. It's that there. You watch break. It's very when, light. I feel like if you yeah. show this to someone who's never seen Halo, they'd be like, "What's happening right now?" Because it's like the only action sequence. I be- of course, it's a sci-fi show. They have a they have a glowy shield that occurs, but not right. that it's like like core. To do the character's identity and strategy. Is it coming back? Like, you can't tell that part yeah. until, like, yeah. the bar shows up, but only I know to look for the bar because <laughs> I've played the, these games before. Like, I don't know. Uh, like, I think I think people can... Wait, read. is the bar in the, in the yes. first person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, that sucks. I don't <laughs> that, like that at all. what I'm saying. So like maybe I'm, I'm maybe I'm with Kato, but I didn't notice that part. With, I, I feel like, like Rob and I are off in our own little are, are on the opposite side of this table right now. So I so I will say like I, that stuff didn't bother me. I think here what here are a couple things that jumped out at me. One is all the innies have what has come to be like such a bog standard like production design in sci-fi mm-hmm. shows like yeah. in this era which is like how do you signal that it's the future but it's like kind of rough and tumble um you give people shitty looking clothes with lots of like technical materials on them and then straps Weird galore layers um yeah <laughs> like that just kind of tur- like because doesn't the, it no longer reads like anything it's not it's it, it's kind of the the dullest way to make uh like a, a setting read um, but I think the, the big thing for me is I think there's a there's a challenge with with Master Chief and the Spartans, like to illustrate what makes these guys so special, what makes them so deadly, because we see ultimately uh, a camp full of like freedom fighters unloading full clips into Covenant doesn't even slow them down. Can we, can we talk about the positions within this fucking compound? Like oh you mean the fact they're just waiting to get massacred? Yes, and the te- they're just the te- oh, waiting the in the those fucking center. Terrible. No, they they deserve what they fucking got. Like being um, all on the walls, all the big guns are in the middle. Like they're just like we're gonna be here for when they get through the doors. Like you gotta let them some through the door. These are some strong. Natalie Watson chose where the minigun goes. <laughs> Components. No, um, yeah, no, she doesn't listen to the podcast. Do that. I'm just saying. I played like 15 hours of Back for Blood and watched her pick different vantage points for that minigun to go. And I got some strong vibes of that in the Halo TV show. I, w- I will say this: one issue with like budget limitations is that often we still think of like a fortified position as being a little like stockade uh thin wall mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like that's how you mark like they're they're ready to like fight it out and it's like 
that's <laughs> that hasn't been an effective deterrent uh, in in centuries, uh, really. But also, yeah, the way they're the way they're preparing to fight this out is just wouldn't have worked against the uh, UNSC. Definitely doesn't work against the Covenant. <laughs> Uh, but either way, hey, I have I have a I have a, 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 a world question that I was I'm begging in the show. I just want to finish. Finish. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, but the thing is, Covenant still eat a lot of rounds. They eat. Ton- they get shot loads. What it, the show doesn't communicate? Why do the Spartan guns just work? I'm sitting there. I'm like, if I were if I were the UNSC or the Innies, I would simply buy the guns that work. And use those, and maybe not like need the the genetically modified child soldiers. Can I answer this question? It has it has a satisfying answer. There, there is, well, there is yes, there is an answer to this question. That being, um, the the level of military technology that the UNSC has over the insurrectionists is astounding. Because the rifles that the UNSC uses, I believe uh, what the uh, insurrectionists use are just like traditional gunpowder rifles. Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, basically uh, carrying Kalashnikovs. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so those are great against Marines who they are preparing to fight for. The new generation of weapons technology that the Spartans use in the show is, is basically designed for um, special forces uh, and for the human covenant war. Uh, and those are gas-powered high-pressure rounds that are actually able to do significant amounts of damage to energy. This is the this is nothing in the show. Nothing in the show. It just looks like a, a fancier machine gun. Yeah, I know. I also, know. Wait, but no. like, well, at one point, he picks up the minigun that the insurrectionists were using and mows down it's a mini three gun. of them. It's a oh, so mini gun. Why didn't no, they do that? that? Powerful <laughs> enough? No, that is a mini gun. Motherfucker, do you know how powerful a 50 caliber I know. round is? But what I'm saying is they were hosing them bullets. down with it before. Yeah, but I'm saying it's the fucking... Yeah, no, no, no. What's the opposite know? of plot armor? Plot bullets. It's true. <laughs> I will know. I will know that the insurrectionist leader actually got a couple... He got several points on the board. That dude actually put numbers on the board wait okay wait how many killed what was his body count i don't remember the exact number i, I don't think, like, I think he might have had assists yeah. i think, he, I think, I think a, he got blanked in, in the k column i he think had he got assists. several assists <laughs> so the, there are two people who the show is like these guys are actually getting numbers on the board um that being uh the the professor quote unquote who was <laughs> the uh, like the like grizzle oh, insurrectionist <laughs> Um, his, name, the professor. His, his name was the professor, yeah. which is so fucking funny. Um, the professor had numbers on the board, low numbers on the board until he got fucking murked um, because he was also using a higher caliber machine gun. Uh, and basically anyone who had a higher caliber weapon that had a good enough fire rate, that being the minigun or the light machine gun, was actually able to like break armor and do damage. But like pistol and rifle caliber rounds uh, from before the Human Covenant War are like extremely, extremely ineffective. Um, oh yeah, I'm also, a little bit. That's that's a great explanation. I appreciate it. I'm a little unsatisfied that the answer was higher velocity rounds did the trick because that like, yep, that is how firearms work. But I would also, just also the other thing is that the the thing to note about energy shields because you see at one point an elite gets skewered. Yeah, yeah. Uh, energy shields are actually really bad at handling. Um, the higher velocity something is hitting them with. So yeah. there's basically like a velocity floor and a velocity ceiling I'm for so them. I'm so glad Ren is wired this way. This is, this in, is exactly <laughs> what I wanted. In terms of their ability to like take hits. Uh, so basically the energy floor 
is if you have a knife, the reason that knives go through energy shields is because they aren't high enough velocity to create the feedback. Does that make sense? So like yeah. if there is like a field being created, they are not high enough velocity to basically generate the kinetic energy I was, required. I was just gonna say I was just gonna say it's I like, saw that movie last year. It's like think of Which is, the way the conditions for a sonic boom to happen, right? Like you're pushing yes. against air until right. you break through the air. Like there needs to be a certain amount of force for it to push. So back. that's why that's why Chief can like put a pistol to the back of their head and, and they're just bop, fucking bop, done. Bop. Yes, because yeah. it's going past the shield and yeah. it is. So that's the one thing. Uh, that's also why the Spartan is able to impale them. But there's also basically like a velocity ceiling where you are doing actual damage. So small arms fire is right in the middle of that zone where you are basically doing, it is going slow enough where the energy shield is completely taking the hit uh, and also not able to go through. But if you go faster, you can go through the energy shield by, by like basically beating it so much that eventually it like loses power um, because you're overtaxing the system, which is why you have that to is, be either very slow weapons sequence is great. That shows or so very much. fast weapons. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's I. But I will say like the way it presents to me is like they don't do a great job of showing like why are the Spartans effective? Zero. Like they, yeah. even if there was like a, a throwaway line to um like one of the innies that it's explaining like as they're terrified like like give give the audience communicate like tangibly like what's occurring here because it's all communicated through aesthetic and i just think it fails aesthetically to communicate yeah like they don't come across as strictly cool it's just like i don't know here's like some poorly shot armor that kicks their asses and i get to the end of it and i don't understand necessarily why they're super cool i just know that they're the ones that that beat them there is one shot that I do think is super cool. Uh, this whole fight is like pretty mid to me with yeah. one exception. At the beginning of the fight, they are like wheeling in this truck, right? With the machine gun turret on it. Um, and an elite just fucking <laughs> shoulder checks it. Okay, that was and awesome. Flips was the tr- that shit is so sick. Well, and but also, also, again, that's, that's the that dad. Is, Yes. Mm-hmm. He yes, doesn't yes, kill yes, yes. anyone before that. I don't think he can. Yeah, there's he any damn He's no. like firing shots. No, okay. Look where Kato's looking. Kato is watching the tape. Yeah, I'm Kato looking at it right now. He, Are you watching the you, tape? Like you see some shots of the, as as they go in the doors, you see some shots missing, I guess. They were, because, they were minus 100 with that man on the floor. And then, <laughs> and then that truck starts to move to like reposition or something and gets fucking owned. He kills no one. <laughs> he has no kills. <laughs> There's no no a, no damage being shot, done though. here. And also does a really good job of 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 noting the differential between the covenant and literally anyone else. Yeah. Well, I, I would um, say that's the one thing yeah. I will say. Like that sequence does do is like I think there's the CG on the covenant's pretty shoddy and not super convincing. Yeah, but it's mid. I do th- I do think it's like shot like well enough that you understand like why they're. Like the, I think that the, the child shooting scene is excessive, but like, re- <laughs> like really, unnece- really yeah. unnecessary. And it doesn't um, happen to be. There are people getting hit by plasma plasma rifles and plasma, plasma pistols throughout the rest of this fucking fight. No one else. Yeah, fucking I, didn't, I didn't need the. I didn't need the. Like they actually yes, they to be do. People cool get to the are, people are exploding left well, and right. On. At one point, they someone are. fires an energy pistol into an elite, and it takes off the top quarter of its body. It is grim. I think it is. Maybe it is because Patrick had prepared the ground. But I also think there's a fine line in sequences like this between horrifying and hilarious. 
And it can go like it can be very dicey. Mm. <laughs> and maybe you don't even know how it's going to read until you're like deep in editing or like when it when you're when it goes before the audience. But uh, right. this ended on the side of actually being very funny to me. I agree be- because like the shot where like the kid just explodes and Quan is just like what <laughs> just covered in gore. And Never gets that, that. Takes a long time to get that blood off too. It has like three fourths of the episode. Yeah. Still has her friends. Three like, fourths. I think she ends the episode with blood face. on her. And it's it's the <laughs> way they explode i can't if you've seen the video of the whale exploding it's like that where it's just body parts like going for miles uh every time they get hit uh and and, like, and they're not going for something cartoonish right like it, it is meant to be oh shocking. hold on hold on i don't i just had a fucking galaxy brain thought they were doing drugs that were some sort of like no Kato, i'm not going with i'm not no. going here with you no. they were perceiving it as she did high it, as fuck it's called heavy hydrogen like, does that <laughs> and all the kids are doing hops of it. It's called heavy hydrogen, and I'm it just is saying hydrogen is explosive. Maybe the plasma, the that's why they explode, nah, the rest and the other humans are just kind of like. Wait, actually, over. that's amazing. Wait, wait, wait. What if them kids are all like little fucked up, tiny, drugged out Hindenburgs, and no, every time they, they eat around, and that's why they are comically detonating while yes. the adults are not. Because the adults, the adults are, are getting are hit in the chest, and like there's like a bright spot, and they fall over. Like instead of <laughs> also the entire sequence with the kids like going off in their little pastoral forest idol to to go harvest drugs. Yeah. Also, the vibe is like, uh, it's very Hobbiton in some ways. Yeah, like the entire <laughs> thing has like fucking Fellowship of the Ring like energy the kids all seem like little asshole hobbits uh and so it's just kind of like the fact that Quan is like hey assholes we need to run back to, to town and they're like nah i want to go see the ship like the entire thing just ended up registering as funny to me i'm not sure it was meant to but it's so over the top it is like it is like when in um prometheus uh when the the Surge of Two birthing sequence in Prometheus. Mm. Oh, so it good. is so horrible, but it just it keeps going and it loops all the way back around to this is so horrible. It's hilarious, right? Like this is we kept being like, and what else would be fucked up to happen here? That's how the sequence unfolds. I have a question. Yeah. How did everyone feel about the color grading in the show? Because that is that is something that I've been trying to put my finger on because I would describe the show as hypersaturated. Yes. Uh, it's, and the, it's and, hypersaturated and, and also higher. It's hypersaturated <laughs> and hypersaturated over a dull palette. Yeah, it's hypersaturated over a dull palette, and also it's high contrast. Yeah. So it's hypersaturated high contrast, which is I think, I think interesting at the very least. Is I was that curious. how they're trying to, like, mat like match the covenant and get them into this world? Right. Because like, if we think about the yes. the, the CG yes. of the way these guys look, they look like they fit in the world in a weird way, despite the. Despite them taking on the challenge of the most unforgivable lighting for CG action, se- action sequences, which is like yeah. full full daylight, top down, um, nothing looks good in that light in uh, yeah. a lot of shows. It's really tough to, to make that look good. But I do wonder if, yeah, the aesthetic of the show is meant to sort of make it look less like even the Halo series, the Halo jump out as the, the, the Covenant jump out uh, in the games as like really bright Muppety looking characters in a world that, that feels a little more grounded. And I feel like maybe the color grading is what they're trying to do to make it feel like, yeah, these, these, these beings inhabit the same space 
as these people. It's the color grading in Halo 2. If you go to Halo 2 yeah. and look at the city streets of Halo 2, there is like a relatively muted actually like city design and like relatively like gray and brown city design with extremely bright covenant troops um spread throughout and that hypersaturation kind of extends to everything that is not explicitly like gray um and it it is a it is at the very least a very distinctive aesthetic i had at one point a friend look at the show and be like oh the show looks like doctor who in terms of like um cgi quality uh, but I was like, here's the problem. I can never read it as looking like Doctor Who because the show's uh, r- like frame rate, uh, like this, its camera frame rate and color grading is so completely divorced from something like Doctor Who, which is what I associate with like a very particular style of color grading and like camera speed. Um, that like I can't even make the comparison because the shows look so fundamentally different to me. I think in the later seasons of like the modern who there's definitely a similar like oversaturation going on Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's like weird it also like it jumped it felt felt like like it was extra saturated while they were out in the in the forest and then like the attack and the like other stuff like it like pulls it back a little bit like i don't know it's very it was very strange um and i think not helped by the fact that I was watching it on my TLC, TCL TV, which apparently has issues already. But it see mm-hmm. it felt also like the combination of saturation and contrast made it feel like it had like a sharpness filter on it as well. But it was really just those two things being really weird. So I, but I think it all shows up worse in this opening sequence and yeah. where it actually starts to come together a little bit in terms of presentation. It's probably when we go back to the more classically sci-fi. Uh, environs of the UNSC uh, and, and aboard ship, maybe where where it looks less egregious. I think the UNSC um, looks great. Yeah, I, like I think that stuff. Uh, like, and th- this this for me is where the episode starts to come together. But actually, this opening sequence is where I want to talk a little bit about Forward Under Dawn. Yes, because uh, I think this is where the contrast is most uh, like notable. So Forward Under Dawn is a series of I think it was released as like webisodes. Um, ages, ages ago. Uh, but it basically comes out to being like a 90 minute Halo movie. For Halo 4, uh, specifically. Yeah. When they're doing the pass off from, from Bungie to 343. And it is, it opens on like Master Chief is floating through space. Uh, Cortana is like undergoing the early stages of rampancy. Um, and that stuff is well executed, but ultimately it's the, it's the origin story for, uh, like a major supporting character, uh, Captain Lasky. Um, and we go back to his days on, in, in the military academy, uh, for the UNSC at the Corbillo Academy of Military Science. And it is a, it is one half of a, you know, military, like, uh, like military academy story. Um, with a little weird world of children being trained to to g- be uh, little warriors and little fascists uh, for this government. But then it also is a horror movie uh, as the Covenant mm-hmm. begin to appear. And I think one of the things that like jumps out at me in terms of the contrast here, I've always felt Forward Unto Dawn is one of the smartest ways to go about adapting Halo. And it's also smart because it's working around some pretty clear limitations in terms of like budget and resources they can bring to bear. And the solution the forward into Dawn goes with is that in the early stages of like the covenant war, the covenant are just monsters. 
Like they are like they are so lethal and so overpowering that they are basically just cutting through anything in their path, uh, you know, like like a hot knife through butter. Basically, there's nobody can stand against them. And then the other thing we get here, and this is like, how do you make to the point where you're just making it like, how do you make the Spartans seem special? Forward into Dawn builds toward the, the I don't know if you got this far, Patrick, but after the Covenant sort of arrive on the planet and all hell breaks loose. We never actually get a very good look at what Master Chief can do. We get little tastes of it, but our experience of it through the human scale characters is that everything happens blindingly fast. And Master Chief can navigate this lethal world against these like implacable monsters. And for him, it all happens very slow. And so when when he is glimpsed through the eyes of these characters, he takes on the heroic proportions of the games because he can stand against this force, and for them, it's incomprehensible. The difference well, in they, speed. They, it sounds like they almost treat. I didn't get this far, but it almost seems like they're taking uh, the way like a slasher film treats its villain, like over the course of like a three arc, which is like you get you get glimpses, and your mind creates an a, a imagination of what this thing is before it's actually brought into view. So yeah, this is this is actually the structure of the film because the the moment. So this again takes place at the beginning of the Human Covenant War, uh, and so Spartans are still classified. Because Spartans remain classified until the Covenant become a threat, right? Because basically the UNSC is like, for the most part, Spartans remain classified until the Covenant become a threat, at which point the UNSC is like, okay, cool, we have to turn these from spec ops soldiers, who we never talk about and never acknowledge the existence of, into basically poster children for the UNSC military. Um, And so what happens is... Uh, there's a shot where there's a there's a couple of scenes where kids are decrypting uh, classified intel. It's so cool, and they decrypt it, and it's basically this sequence where uh, it's it's a helmet recording of uh, insurrectionists and uh, marines fighting alongside one another, uh, and then for four like f- like three seconds there is a Spartan on screen. Uh, and they realize that the person that the camera feed they're seeing is a Spartan's camera feed because one of them goes, holy fucking shit, that person is two feet taller than that Marine uh, because Spartans are canonically seven and a half feet tall minimum. And so someone's just towering over and then the reflection of a, of a helmet. So so the Spartan is introduced as like this mythical slasher villain who is like massive and hulking and incredibly powerful in a way that no one else in the series is. And they are a boogeyman first. First, it is like the boogeyman is what is a Spartan? What is this thing that is doing this like harm? Right. And then the show reveals the next part of the footage, which shows an elite reflected in the visor of someone. It's and such the- a well executed shot, too, because it is so blurry and pixelated. But like again, the shape of the the elite's sword is so like iconic at this point that it does look like if you were assembling, just blowing up a small frame from like a live leak footage of like mm-hmm. combat like this. This is what this is the hint you would get as to what is out there. Yes, and like both of them, it, it means that both of them are being introduced as their respective slasher villains. Um, at the same time and like the, the establishing work for how dangerous elites are is done in the same breath as how powerful Spartans are. Um, because in, in, in the fiction of the series, Spartans and elites are most uh, Spartans have a slight advantage, uh, but Spartans and elites are, are actually pretty close in terms of uh, efficacy uh, across the board. Um, 
Not according to my playthroughs of Halo. <laughs> well, so this is this is the thing, right? Is I think Halo is you look around in Halo and you see Marines running around with similar weapons to you. You use their rifles and everything. Why are you so good? The answer is I you're, can take I can take them from them. <laughs> yeah. Here, take here, take my pistol, buddy. <laughs> the answer is you're a video game hero, right? Yeah. But like I think the way that Forward Unto Dawn literalizes this is like no, no, no. Like, if you ever, like, if you think about it, first-person shooter heroes are weird because the people can hold a gun at the ready position endlessly and never get tired, which is just, like, ridiculous. Uh, but they can just do that forever. They can run forever. Master Chief in this world can do all those things. He is a video game character in a world of mortals. And, like, nobody else can, like, match that. Yeah, it's also worth noting that, like, the part of the canonical, like not to lore dump again, yeah. but by the point uh, of Halo One, every other Spartan is dead, mm-hmm. or or at the very least missing in action. Master Chief is the last remaining Spartan hmm. on the record by Halo One. That's why we should play Reach, Gato. Um, <sighs> Reach is really good because the Human Covenant War, all of them, is going wow. really fucking badly. The war is going so fucking badly because of the degree to which humanity is outclassed. Spartans can take out elites, but like a good squad of elites will kill a fucking Spartan. Like it, it yeah. is Spartans have to win through guerrilla tactics and through like a particular style of training. But in terms of like actual power, Spartans and elites are like pretty equal to each other, which is why Master Chief is like, is this exception to the rule? Because um, he is basically the sole survivor of his class of Spartans until it is later revealed that a couple of them were like in cryo storage. Uh, uh, and like there are a few more Spartan twos exist. Uh, and this gets worse for the subsequent generations of Spartans, um, Spartan threes and fours, which are straight up equal to elites in terms of their like actual physical abilities. They are one to one. So like Spartan three are who you play as in Halo Reach. That is the second generation of, of official Spartans. Uh, and then Spartan 4s are um, like a lock in Halo 5 uh, and Halo 4 characters, um, which are like different ways of, of making Spartans that basically every generation of Spartans basically takes a dip in power level uh, <laughs> in accordance to how many war crimes it takes to make them. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jesus. You lose strength. Like you're, you're, the amount of war crimes it takes to train a Spartan is equal to how strong they are. You have to infuse your Spartan with enough war crimes to make them good. Uh, right. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, um, same thing with your AI. There's there's one thing I wanted to bring up, though, from Forward Unto Dawn. Uh, mm-hmm. And Patrick, I think you saw more, more of this part. But it is the, like, I think they have a contrast in world building here, too. Like, in terms of what is, what's the UNSC? What's his relationship to the world? What's happening with this independence movement? To me, I, I find the hints we get of the state of the world in Forward Unto Dawn maybe a little more interesting and certainly better rendered than the like exposition dump. We get crammed into the opening of the halo pilot, uh, even though it's working within similar time constraints. I'm curious, like did it, did it hit differently for you? Like did, did sort of going within the world of this little like cloistered military Academy, like make the world of halo seem a little more like real and interesting to you than like the pilot of this TV show did. Well, it's just funny because I have played all of the campaigns of the Halo games and yet could not really tell you 
those games never fully communicate. Like these shows are saying like, man, the, the, look, these military, this fascism is bad. I mean, you know, <laughs> they're the good guys, I guess they're fighting this war, but like none of that's present in the games. I'm sure it like is in books and I can read about it on terminals, but like the games are, you are a superhero fighting the covenant and you got these Marines and they back you up. Oorah, let's go get them. And <laughs> the most interesting part of the Paramount Halo show is all the non Master Chief stuff. It's like everything that's like taking place on the ship. It's like learning about like actually putting a face to like this rebellion, which does not occur in the games at all whatsoever. Not present. Like um, not a thing the show is interested in other than as like world building of like a thing that's occurring, but is not particular to the MacGuffin that you are chasing in the X number of Halo game. And so forward unto Dawn, forwarding that because like quite literally they don't have the budget to like pull off like what you can do what they're trying to do in the in the halo show i still find those elements to be far more interesting and wish master chief the spartans existed at the periphery um so that their presence was surprising and shocking and so i understand why the the show opens with this bombastic action sequence that separating my problems with like the, the this prevalence of TV shows trying to be movies and then not like working within the constraints of a TV show. Um, uh, and is that I find all the politics and the world building. I'd rather have 50 minutes of that. And then 10 minutes at the end of like, fuck, like, you know, I would have actually like chopped to this episode in, in a half in a different way, like put all the, the master chief reveal action sequence at the end after we've done the table setting for, um, you know, they, they do some of that in the beginning where it's like, damn, like Spartans are scary as shit, man. It's like, but why? Like, you can tell me that, but you have to show it to me. And I don't think that action sequence communicates that. And so that's why I found myself. I think the second half of the the pilot is like far more interesting or it's, I guess it's well before like they start crash landing uh, back on like base, like on reach, like the sequence in which like Master Chief and uh, what's the, the character's name? The survivor. Fun. Right, like Clark. like their conversation they have about uh like her mother, I think is like really effective. I think Mr. Chief switches a little too quick from like I, I will terminate anyone in front of me on any order to I will protect this woman at all costs and I actually am gonna go against the government. But all that stuff I think is way more interesting and I wish the show was built around it and maybe we'll get there. But I'm far more inclined to think that we're in store for like mediocre action sequences and like little bits of like the like I feel like the innies are gone after the pilot and that would be a tragedy because i think that and the relationship to the unsc is the stuff that i find interesting partially because it's so absent from the games because the games are about the MacGuffins. yeah gonna, base oh please Scott. Well, i was gonna ask like to the point of him swapping kind of quickly for you patrick i also felt that way and i was uh, wondering whether or not like that like, does this thing with his memories and like his past come up in the games ever at all like is that later <laughs> Pulled there upon is like a, there's an intro because it feels like well just very like what it feels yeah, like to me is that they're pulling on a thing and the reason it's quick is because they expect people who've played this game to be the people watching it so they're like don't worry about it. like you you understand us this is why this is happening uh but is that true is that something that having played the games it's like this makes sense or is it just like no they made that 
sort of like ideological switch in Master Chief a little too quickly for because they did it in the span of the first episode, right? <laughs> like, well, Master Chief doesn't have an ideological switch in the video games. Correct yes, me he if I'm wrong. yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. One hundred percent. This is this is this is Halo Five. You are describing Halo oh, Five. Oh, you know what? Okay. Then well, fuck off. Like, <laughs> no, I, no, no. I will not fuck off. Okay, okay. Here is the here is the. It, so the, actually, I have the a game doesn't exist. That is the most wrong fucking shit I've ever... Halo 5 is the best <laughs> campaign in the series. Moving on. <laughs> wow! Wow! Truly, I, you do I, have I a 22-year-old on the staff. I am a <laughs> motherfucker. I will fight you in the streets. <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't show up to the fight, oh, Ren. I you would be fighting this ghosts. entire series. <laughs> I know this series like the back of my fucking hand. Okay, so the, the, the thing is... Sorry, I got I got real heated there for a sec. Um, <laughs> yeah, Halo this, Five this, says that to people. <laughs> oh my god, this game is a mirror of Halo Five. Sorry, this show is a mirror of a lot of the plot beats of Halo Five and the most interesting parts okay. of Halo Five. Halo Five and Halo Reach are the two games which actually do show the insurrectionists. One of the major levels in Halo Five actually takes place on a insurrectionist planet where basically Spartans have landed and the people there are like, "Motherfucker, you cannot build a military base here." You cannot build a military base here. And then the Covenant show up and it's a whole thing. But it's 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 actually like a, a, a pretty cool dynamic. But hey, the whole premise of Halo 5 is that Master Chief goes rogue because of Cortana. Uh, and because of the particular relationships that those two characters have. Uh, and then Halo Infinite is then dealing with the emotional ramifications of that. And of that betrayal, which is why in Halo 5, Master Chief is is pretending to be a weird robot again, because he actually has a lot of like personal development in Halo 4 and Halo 5 as he comes into the fact that like, I was a human, I was a, I was raised as this super soldier by this person who has now betrayed me twice. Um, because Cortana is a brain clone of Dr. Catherine Halsey. Cortana is based off of Halsey, which, okay, this is... I've been, I've, there are debates over whether or not this is a spoiler um, I had with a friend. So technically, this may be a spoiler for the Halo TV series. Maybe, kind of. I don't eh, think it's a spoiler. Go ahead, but no, we all know that. Okay. No, no, no. It's not the fact that Cortana is a copy of Halsey. It's the mechanics by which that happens, because the show actually is doing my favorite piece of Halo lore, which is like useful in understanding mm. the narrative arc of Master Chief. Hold on. Maybe I don't want to know this right now. <laughs> It, you have all the clues, Mr. Policeman. Can we hold on? We, let's pause it because I do think there's a good chance that, for better or worse, we're probably going to watch this entire show and then revisit this. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. so well, I, the I most, think it's, it, is, it. it is, there was a fascin, there was a fascinating little nugget. I think, I think you got to hold on it because I, I think okay, there's, I will hold there's on a it. lot of hinting they're doing about Halsey stuff like in this pilot that like yeah. we should at least let play out a little bit. Yeah. yeah. There are rules about how AIs are made in this series that are fucking sick as shit. And so. Um, basically Halo, this game is, is, is sorry, the show is doing a lot of the plot beats of Halo 5 where Master Chief is going rogue and also Halo Infinite by proxy because in Infinite, um, hey, Master Chief is kind of coming back to the UNSC, kind of not. He's in a, he's in a weird middle zone after Halo 5. Um, and so it is jumping to the point in his narrative where he's actually questioning the UNSC, um, which is also worth noting that the emotional trauma that Spartans undergo actually does lead to a lot of them going rogue. Uh, in, in fiction, this is not a rare thing to have happen because the moment that the, the reality of their raising clicks for them, some of them are like, what the fuck? <laughs> Master Chief is unique insofar as that he doesn't. 
Master Chief is a well-controlled dog. Like they're like it is one of my favorite things about this show, actually, is the way that UNSC members talk about Master Chief. I think it's actually really fascinating because they talk about him like a weapon, like they talk about him like a robot in a way that is actually like interesting in the way it dehumanizes the character. Um, he even makes and, that joke about himself. <laughs> yeah, he's Nuts, like, I bolts. eat bolts. <laughs> that, was pretty, also, that, was, that was pretty yeah. good. The fact that he fails to make a joke is extremely Master Chief because that is like one of the that is like his whole thing in Halo Infinite is like trying to make jokes and fucking failing as other people are like, dude, what is wrong with you? And then he gets sad. But this is all to say that the narrative arc in the show is designed to mirror that in five um, and infinite which is to say, like, this is actually pretty well established. And, like, that Master Chief has questions about how he was made and, like, how he was raised is, like, central to the narrative arc of the, like, 343 era of the series. And that, that, like, oh my god, if that is true, like, I find the storytelling in 4 and 5 to be so horrendous that like if if that is the game like i'm just the, the beats that you're talking about sound like every time i've like read about halo 4 or 5 i'm like that does sound kind of interesting and then i think about the experience of playing those games and i go that was some of the least fun i've ever had the series to the point that i didn't want to play it anymore after five because I, th- I found it so I'm distressing so, i'm so convinced that the well of Halo 5 and 4 was poisoned by the community because I and poisoned by like the public response to them because I have yeah, replayed those games of playing recently. It and it's poor storytelling, I think is what I think is what you meant to say. I was not I was not d- wow. destroyed by wow. the public like reaction to those games. I played them before they came out and I I, I disliked <laughs> I stand, them. I stand, I stand. I will motherfuck not not you specifically. I think we have mm-hmm. to go through this entire series. We're getting to the point where we're hitting this point. We're like, we have to go through this entire video game series. I would do. I would do a. Lo- I would. I would I'm do some not, some I'm more down. adjacent thing. But I would. I, w- I will not Rob, replay that entire Rob, franchise. Rob, I, I Rob, Rob. 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 I will continue my journey. Mm-hmm. How far are you? Uh, I'm like probably halfway through Halo One. I just haven't played oh, okay. in a few weeks. But like. You gotta do Halo Wars. Okay, well, all right now. You do, now. You gotta do. You Kato, that is that is fu- Rob is correct. <laughs> Halo Wars one and two are essential to the fucking narrative. You the the main this is how you end up Halo Infinite Halo is established. Is interesting. Is like where Ren is at. I guess yeah. it's like you gotta read these three books and like the you very don't have to read the books. Uh huh. Okay. I might read the books though anyway. Uh, I have copies if you want to borrow them. Can't. Oh, you don't need them. Books. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be, if you want I'll to borrow them, soon. my God. <laughs> I, I mean, I read, so I read the novelization of Halo, uh, The hmm. Flood uh, by William Dietz. It was actually surprisingly effective. Have you read uh, Fall of Reach? Pardon? Have you read Fall of Reach? No. Okay. I figure I don't want to of- read that until I played Reach. No, because well, actually, Fall of Reach doesn't actually you're focus on. You're never gonna play Reach. This hey, notion that you're gonna oh, play Patrick, these games Patrick. is ludicrous. I will pay you to do it. Start a Patreon Look, for Rob fucking, to play them because it won't happen th- otherwise. I believe in my friend and colleague Rob Zachney. Man, the three MA gang will be pissed when just one day that Patreon is shut down and it's been converted <laughs> over into my 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 Halo, Halo. Uh, Patreon, like. <laughs> Uh, hey Len. Uh, hey, hey Rowan. Hey, hey Troy. You guys gotta figure this out because I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing Halos now. Anyway, uh, we're gonna take a quick break. Come back to you talk <laughs> about the rest of the series.
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, so there is a thing I actually do want to call out here. Um, we're talking about like Master Chief's motivations. I think the thing that actually is surprisingly effective is the fact that in that beat where Quan and Master Chief are having their sort of first conversation, and she explains that he killed her mom. Like he he <gasps> raided. It's good. Yep. It's the most effective sequence in the entire pilot. I think he, he raided a combination union organizing committee meeting and <laughs> independence like revolutionary organizing like meeting and fucking like massacred everybody. Yeah. And I love the bullshit like cover story that there was an insurrectionist bomb well, at the so and he points is, it out. And he like, knows oh, it's yes, bullshit. Yeah. So like, yes, is, it's well, that, that is that's why the that's why the that's why the arc works. Is because Master Chief's like, this is all bullshit. I know it's bullshit, but so, I just need one thing to push me over. But I think it, it also like some credit goes to uh, Pablo Schreiber's uh, like delivery of that, where she says like, you know, I never believed that story because why would the insurrectionist? And he's like, he completes the thought. Why would the insurrectionist like bomb their own meeting? It's clearly been like nagging at him, right? And I think it's it's a tough like. There's a lot of physicality to the performance because for most of this episode, he has to be like armored up in that suit, so he's going to have to like through gestures. Like impart things and a lot through like intonation. I think Paul Schreiber does a pretty decent uh, job here as, as far as like being ma- being Master Chief. Um, also, I guess this guy was he was he. I think he was the little like shitty Sabatka in Wire season two. Uh, I think he might have been the guy who like had the fucking duck, the screw up, uh, like who just everything goes wrong like throughout season. What? Yeah, yeah, no. He is he is one of the Sabatkas from Wire season two, um, and the only one I can think of where the age ma- matches up is Nick. that he's like the yeah. Nick I think he's Sabatka. the career fuck up in in season two. So like, there's that. Uh, but yeah, like I, I I think. Wait, I think he what? No, never mind. Never mind. But I think he seems like a, a good a good master chief. How did the moment though where he takes his helmet off land for you? Like the the race to humanize this character is that is that working for you? Didn't I feel like his voice got better with the helmet off, but otherwise it was not good. <laughs> I feel like he sounded more like Master Chief once the helmet was off. But I'm curious, Ren. You shook your head uh, where it didn't work. I'm curious, both elaborating on that and then also as our. Uh, Wikipedia page, like where this lines up with how, like John is like described as like I, I've forgotten all that stuff. It's He's been the long. right like, age. Okay, like he Master Chief is is very rarely described as a as a person without the helmet. Like that's part of the thing is that like John one one seven or Master Chief is like is unique is almost unique among the Spartans because he is Halsey's pet. He's Halsey's pet project, 
And because of that, the degree of dehumanization that Master Chief is subject to is on even a different level from the other Spartans. And I think that like the the reason that I kind of get frustrated by the moment where he takes his helmet off is that like in the chronology of the series, he should be this old. From a narrative perspective, I would be significantly more interested in the dynamic between him and Quan uh, if he was younger. Because I don't, I'm not interested in a surrogate dad story. I am, I'm just, I'm just not interested in that here. And there is a, I think that like Forward Unto Dawn actually does this significantly better because the reveal in Forward Unto Dawn is that a group of Spartans rescue these like military academy kids. And then they are sitting in the Pelican flying back to base. Master Chief leaves his helmet on, but the other two take theirs off. And when the Spartans take their helmets off, they reveal that one of that they are both 17 years old. Max. Not just that, but like a weird age of 17. Like yes, they, a weird they look age, like yes. they look like they were abducted to like fairy and like, you know, take take because well, the they're sea. seven feet tall. Yeah, they're seven feet tall, 16 year olds. And they take off their helmets and they look young because they are because at the beginning of the human covenant war, the uh, which is this is this is the beginning of the human covenant war. Um, they are 15, 16 years old. Uh, and that reveal is fucking crushing to everyone else in that pelican because they are looking at their peers and realizing that like, oh, we don't work in this war anymore. Like, like people like us don't matter anymore because of, because of Spartans, the, the difference is, is so vast. And Master Chief keeps his helmet on. The reason that the moment the Master Chief takes his helmet off in this show doesn't work for me is that there's no, there's no reveal to it. The reveal is not that this is a young person. It is like you, you see what you expect when he takes the helmet off. This is a man who is in a war. That's it. Right, this is an adult man who is in a war, and not a character who is like forced into this situation, uh, and so it lands way, way worse. And I also think that like if he was younger, the relationship between him and Quan, and like the parallels that the show is making between these two characters, would be significantly more interesting. Uh, in Forward Unto Dawn, the Lasky character is paired with. At first, she seems like she might be a surrogate mom, but actually, it turns out to be more of a surrogate big sister, which I think is maybe more the interesting dynamic where. Yeah. Uh, the like assistant dean of the school is like his mentor who's kind of like trying to not convince him to stay at the academy, but trying to convince him to make a choice. Whether like the, this is the other thing that I kind of dig about like Forward on Dawn um, is that so right now, for instance, in with the exception of Master Chief, everyone in the series seems like, wow, the UNSC is just like wall to wall, like shit, shit heels. Like even, even uh, Miranda keys is mostly like, we're not really killing a kid. Yep. We are. Okay. One of the things I I, kind of dig again about forward and Dawn is I think captures very well. um, And maybe it's just also reflecting the ear in which it's made, but like being on the inside of an Imperial conflict and the range of opinions, the former on that, where you have people who become like, um, rabid hawks uh who are just like pissed off that like the enemy continues to resist uh and so therefore you know what they they could only be doing that if they really hate us and want us all dead but then you have lasky who is kind of like an anti-war or war skeptic soldier right who's like sort of stuck here because society has hammered him into this this template and his parents right like the whole like setup right of of john is that they are the children of 
like these elite like admin like in the space program back on on earth right it, it, and it, and but it's it's basically like almost like feudal as well because like all these yes. like all these kids are inheriting like they're they're very clear about it at the academy where it's like because all of you are the children of the elites of the UNSC, you are going to be the future elites of the UNSC. I think there's a, there's a line where he, you know, not long after he does uh, his first like sort of like protest, um, it's like I forget what his last name is, but like or like Kat his Milosky. mother's name, and uh, and they're like, you know, like do you think we're not going to let you leave here without a degree? You know, like that he ha- you yeah. just have to figure it out, like and it you know, and it's not they're like they're going to make it easy on him, but it's like you will leave here a soldier that wants to go continue the lineage because that's why you're here. Um, I think the other interesting part of the, of a forward unto Dawn uh, as a, as a comparison point here is the other reason, like forward unto Dawn's perspective character is Lasky, right? Lasky is also a character who cannot be what the military wants him to be in this iteration and has to become something else. That's part of why the, um, reveal of the spartans in the pelican at the end of that movie is so good because the spartans take their helmets off and reveal that they're 16 year olds facing these other 16 year olds lasky can't do cryosleep mm-hmm. that's like one of the premises of the film is that he is physically unable to go into cryosleep so he can't be an odst there is a the kind of soldier that he was being trained to be that his brother is or was he cannot be. And so he has to be something else because that is the only role he can functionally fulfill in this war. And that is not just true of him. That is true of everyone. But it is like the most true of him because the show is using it's this allergy. Literal. Yes, yeah. the physically the, he's it is physically literal that he can't do this, which is the literalization of the shift that is taking place in this war from regular ass people being able to fight in this conflict to not because they're physically unable to do the kinds of things that you need to do to be in this war. Um, yeah, like I, I think that stuff ends up uh, in terms of like the, the like, and again, it's, it's because this, this pilot spends so much energy on an action sequence and then the big climax of a threat of an action sequence, there isn't a lot of room for this kind of characterization. Um, you know, I feel like I know a lot about every character in Forward Unto Dawn. Basically, like I know that I know that trainee squad pretty well. Also, like it's a really strong cast in that. Like everyone does a lot with their their small character details. Here, it's very much like name, role. We're gonna move on, and we'll flesh them out later. And the only ones who seem to have like some real personality are mostly like Halsey, who the the defining characteristic is like kind of an unethical snake. Um, and <laughs> More, like, oh my God. And then like chief who is a conflicted, like what if RoboCop did the RoboCop thing for years in the first movie before like before, showing a trace of yeah. humanity, <laughs> which is uh, more likely, frankly, than yeah. what happens in Ro- RoboCop. Well, you also, could like, even, the, I was going to say, you could even tell that they, the, the production knew it was a little rushed to characterize these people by in like the first third of it how many times they say people's names over and over, like, back to back to back. Like, how many times they said, Quan, like, everyone said Quan's name in that scene. That's ADR, ADR <laughs> responding to focus testing. Yeah. I also do think that the reveal that, like, not the reveal, I, I, the reason that I think that Master Chief's characterization works is because the reveal is not that, like, the memory reveal is is what works for me because it is, like, 
the reason that that characterization doesn't completely miss is the knowledge that he was raised from five years old. And he literally does not have memories of that time beforehand. So like in, in that context, the rapid switch in characterization kind of lands for me because it is it is a breakthrough moment where basically someone who has only known violence, who has only known this military academy, it is the first moment where anything else even exists in his mind. It is the first fragment of something else beyond this particular war. And so the rapid characterization shift lands for me because it's like he already had questions regarding the bombing, but he couldn't ask them because he did not even have the basic toolkit of empathy and like human connection required to begin asking those questions. The moment he has his memories back, even just a fragment of them, his whole foundation collapses. I, I guess, but I, I mean, feel like but then it's just like the... what he touched. He touched a forerunner, like okay, I hate gig- the forerunner thing. Like it's like like ah, he t- he touched what is clearly a forerunner. Like also, he knew about it as a kid. And then he... Huh? I implied okay, that so he knew about it as a kid. He makes a little the drawing. drawing it as a kid. I push back. I I think that is that is that is the show doing the thing that people do with vision sometimes is sure. like. Is, it's is like, like, okay, this is a tweaking of the memory to be able to incorporate this aspect of. <laughs> um, I feel like that's a very. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not good faith, but like a very. Uh, um, charitable. Charitable reading of, of that, because I feel like we're going to get some backstory bullshit where like somehow. Damn, he's known about the forerunners He's known about the forerunners all along. I mean, we'll all along. Exactly. Like, this is why, that's why his body that chemistry where we was are responding to that. Uh, to okay, and, like, so here's the thing, here's the thing too, is, like, I've, I feel you about, like, the motivate, like, the way that it happens, I think, is, uh, as far as, like, how, how the switch happens for, for him feels okay. Uh, how it happens, but not the time span in which it happens, almost, because it feels like we're pulling on a lot of history of the video game series and understanding how the Spartans were made, at least like mm-hmm. through like cultural osmosis. Like, I don't even know that much. I know that they were child soldiers. Like I knew that much at least, but I feel like somebody watching this for the first time, it's not going to sink in, in the span of this one episode, right? Like they, they had to do too much in this first episode, just like from like a storytelling perspective. If you have no context coming in, I don't think it works. I feel like they need to maybe do one more episode to try to like, yeah. So, like, Bridge the Honestly, divide. I think my favorite version of like the opening. I think a lot now. A thing I hated at the time, but think is genius now. Season one of the Expanse, where for literally like ten episodes of their run, yeah, you're like, what's the story here? Like, what what actually is the sure. plot that I'm watching? What are we doing? Because mostly what they're doing is they're like playing out small plot threads in a bunch of different directions. Mm-hmm. But mostly they're assembling a huge picture of like, here's the world that exists. Right. And I think, and hopefully like in the next, in the coming episodes of this, they're going to start like fleshing out that world and building these connections. But the fact that they were obliged to open with like huge gun battle right. and then huge emotional like stakes around this mutiny, which doesn't just have like chief going rogue. But also has Halsey playing this card that like feels like maybe it's a big card to play for the pilot episode uh, where it's like, by yeah. the way, the Spartans are ready to rock on my <laughs> command and not yours. Yeah. Um, like there. there I mean, it's, it's, it is kind of pilot here. syndrome, right? Where yeah. uh, you're, you're trying 
to stuff so many like I mean go watch lots of pilots especially like sci-fi in general like it's hard. Battlestar um, opened on a basically a movie like right. four standalone episodes right. that like yes yeah it's, it's just <clears throat> difficult you know like it, it's difficult to judge uh I mean there's like you're right to be cynical but also it's difficult to judge television shows on their pilots because yeah. historically they're just bad especially when we exist in the current space where like whole seasons are like conceived of and like and a pilot is is a mini movie and I think this is like a pretty poor like mini movie but it has enough threads that like yeah. I do think you can hold on to be like they could do something they could do something out of this right. they've already been greenlit for well, season two the so second like episode needs to be Ren hope. explaining why all of this is good <laughs> they actually yes. like literally they need Ren like this week on Halo Ren comes out and it's like so you may have seen some confusing things yeah I, I I'm looking at this show and basically I recognize the thing that really excited me about this episode because I have mixed feelings in the show overall. I think that like as a, as a total product, despite my love for the series and like how enthusiastic I am about the things I like about the show, I think like as a total product and like as a piece of storytelling, it's pretty mid. Um, however, as someone who knows the series, well, the pieces that they are putting on the board and that I am recognizing when I'm looking at the state of the world, the, like the current state of the setting, the relationship between Halsey and the UNSC, the relationship between Oni and the UNSC, um, because they're actually, this is a, a key Halo note that the show is, is, is touching on but has not fully established yet. There are two branches. There are two primary branches of the uh, human military. Oni, the Office of Naval Intelligence, and the United Nations Space Command, the UNSC. Spartans aren't part of the UNSC. They're part of Oni. And so the relationship, the strained relationship between Oni and the UNSC is one of the core conflicts of like Halo the Games. And like Reach is fully about the conflict between whether or not the UNSC or Oni has control over the Spartans. Because basically over the course of the series, Oni gets more and more control over the military. And the Oni is the gay, is the series like CIA equivalent. And so like, as the series goes on, the CIA gets more and more fucking control over the military and they get more and more fucked uh, as time goes on. And like, I see all those pieces on the board. The fact that Miranda Keys is here and is saying the things that she is saying, pieces on the board. Uh, the fucking, the shot of Halsey and then it goes to the, 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 like the clone egg. That shit is like, uh, knowing what that is and the dramatic irony that the show is setting up is like so fucking exciting to me and is making the show so much more interesting because I think that like all of the ways in which, I mean, a part of it has to do with the way I approach media, whereas like, Spoilers don't work on me because the more information I have, the more pieces I can go into a story with and I can see the construction of the story. And for me, the construction of the story is itself like emotionally satisfying uh, and seeing that construction play out is emotionally satisfying. And so having this dramatic irony going into the series and knowing the pieces that are being put on the board is just like I am I am legitimately very excited, even though I think this episode was like kind of mid and by kind of mid, I mean extremely mid Um I am like thrilled about the promise of like what episode two looks like, yeah. um, especially with Halsey. I think they're 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 doing a characterization of Halsey that is so fucking good and accurate. Not not only like lore accurate, but also like an interesting character. It is showing all of the things about Halsey that make her worth watching. 
uh, and worth being interested in. Her like weird empathy for the Spartans, her complete refusal to um, follow basic command, her weird relationship to both like forerunner artifacts, but also these like weird fucked up kids she has raised is just like it's 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 so beyond excellent. Um, I'm I'm legitimately very excited. And we didn't have to see that shitty looking Cortana in the pilot. So like, that's great. You know, that was just a very nice treat by the show that we didn't even have to deal with that. <laughs> I also, I really did enjoy um, when the Spart the, the shot of like the Spartans moving through the crowd of soldiers who've all responded to like build this cordon around a chief's <laughs> ship and the way they part like, like, like Moses is parting the sea as these, these Spartans move through. But like, they no violence breaks out at the end of this episode, but I do enjoy when the guy's playing the breaching charges on the ship. <laughs> he look looks back, back and, and, and yes. realizes, <laughs> and the Spartans are, are their yeah. weapons ready. And like, there is a moment that passes between them where it is yep. the realization that they are not there to kill master. They are not going to open fire on chief. This is a threat, and like that is the tension that is the core yep. of the show is the relationship between Oni and the UNSC that is fucking fascinating to me. The three players on the board in the sh- the four players on the board, the four factions on the board, the UNSC. Oni, the insurrectionists, and the Covenant. Delectable. <laughs> Fucking delicious. Absolutely. Mmm, scrum Um, it was also, I don't know. How, actually, I'm curious. How do people feel about the the alien languages in this show? Uh, I'm always I mean, curious about like a, how people feel about how alien languages are done, or if it's like they should have just translated everything into like English voice acting. No, I mean, like, I, I think for, so it didn't particularly land with me. I was more distracted by how bad those sets looked. Um, like it's all yeah. I could see with like the care, the characters looked okay, but like the sets they were in were just, were, were, were bad. It was like, we, we threw some blue light on a, on a, some like a plastic tarp to make a tunnel. And now it looks, now it looks alien. Uh, so that didn't really like register with me. Um, I think for me, I like, I'm, I'm happy to have them a bit like forward on the dawn where you hear like, the little rumbles and like croaks of the covenant troops. Uh, but as far as the language, like it didn't sound, it didn't sound bad. Yeah. I feel um, like you can't not have a wart, wart, wart in there. And when, in order to have a wart, wart, wart in there, you gotta, they have to be speaking their language. So, you know, I'm glad they did it. Man, did you hear it? They're gonna did you the, catch they have it? to show the grunts in the show at some point. Right? Oh, 100%. The, 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 can't keep the, hiding them. The, the ungler I mean, are going to be... A, but do you well, want... I like. I'm not, I don't have faith in this show's wait, visual... It feels like the wrong tone. It feels like the right tone. Hang on. I have to check we're about to. Facts. We're about to get into... We are, we are not being sensitive to the plight of the grunts who are... <laughs> It's not even that you're not being said. It's more that uh, there is a reason that I think if I'm if I'm remembering the timeline correctly, that they're shitty little goblins (laughs) that they're not around right now. Okay. Uh, oh, come on, then why'd they even make the show? No, 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 no. For this specific fight. Be- okay, so a, a key note about the grunts is that the grunts are legitimately a like colonized and enslaved. Um oh, so that's what they did with the scions and the cabal. Okay. That's the there is thing. a there is a grunt uprising. Like once every two years, like Give there is a, yeah. there's a, oh there a show. full <laughs> grunt mutiny every like couple of years. It's a problem. Like that's one of the fundamental problems of the covenant and why they start losing the war oh, oh, oh. is that like they keep having <laughs> internal conflicts that completely fucking destroy their military apparatus for a little bit. Cause the grunts are like, we aren't fucking enough. Let us fuck. More. 
<laughs> they really are. Check, just where's want- Chekhov's grunt? I need like one grunt that is like a season long thing that's going to fuck with the Covenant's plan by the end of this season. The vibe um, I get from the grunts is like, what if you had some really active uh, slots, basically? Like, <laughs> like, they're, 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 like all they want to do is hang and mate yes and that's basically it and their dream is like i want to like hang in the shade or like bask in the sun what if what if this this show's version of you know baby yoda is that look they're gonna baby grunts are gonna like these jokey characters that like are just there to get blown up very possible scenario or like what if a grunt's on their side and becomes a little sidekick that's what (laughs) i'm thinking let kwan adopt a grunt yes Uh, yes all right So this episode is blown up in my face. Yeah. Uh, because I think we're... Didn't talk about watching. Weird West. Didn't do any mailbag. Yeah. We have a meeting coming up. Yep. <laughs> and we have, like, and now we're obligated to watch more of the show. Um, <laughs> or, like, I feel like we end up will, yes, we yes, will end yes, up watching yes, it. Yes. The second episode's um, already Yeah, maybe out, we'll right? do, how many episodes are oh, there? They're going to... Probably eight or ten. Right. Um, let's see. Halo. Enough to get two months of Paramount Plus subscription to their dog shit service. Son of a bitch. Yeah. I'll see if I, I'll see if I can, you know, pull some PR shenanigans. Um, we because we ended up like you know like, you know, not overwhelmingly positive, but like all the reviews were basically kind of where we're at. You yeah. know, hoping uh, for the best. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's. I'll watch some more. Yeah. <laughs> I just remembered a lore thing. God, I fucking love Halo. Halo's so good. Halo's so good. Ten we should, we should uh, play those. Rob. We should there's play so, those. There's a lot of them. Uh, we should play them. There's a lot of them, but they're all only eight hours. Yeah, long. I was going to say, aren't they only all like, eight short? Hours. Yeah. Listen, I'm just. I, I feel like that. eight hours is be, is being conservative on how long it would take to beat each of each of those games. This I, isn't a spoiler, but this will be so delectable to Rob. I think he will. I think this will drive him through. Hey, Rob, you know the Arbiter mm-hmm. as a character. Yeah. So the rank of Arbiter, uh, the whole thing is that it used to be a high military title. Um. Only basically it was like the basically the, the the highest general and highest field commander possible in the Sankili mm-hmm. and was like extremely culturally important. The role of Arbiter was extremely culturally important. And then after they were assimilated and basically joined the Covenant, uh, it remained that way up until about 300 or 400 years before the events of Halo, where one Arbiter uh, actually took part in a uh, uh, basically like a, a schism. Uh, against the covenant and so the title of arbiter uh through social engineering from the pro- from the sanchium shifted from a title that is basically the highest military commander to a badge of shame but that badge oh, of shame still comes with military command <laughs> and military prominence and so basically it is like it is how you label it is like so the reason that the character the arbiter in the series is labeled the way he is, is there it's basically like fuck you but we need you is 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 the way that the title <laughs> takes is the meaning the title takes on but the problem is that for as much as the sanshiu want that to be the association with the arbiter and it kind of has become the cultural association there is still the underpinning of the arbiter is our military commander is the highest rank and the sankili forces and so games like halo 2 have a really complicated relationship to the arbiter where all of the elites are like holy fucking shit is that the arbiter what the fuck that guy's sick as shit that's a fucking arbiter. But at the same time are, are, are also conditioned by the religious establishment to be like, ew, gross, the arbiter. And these two cultures are coming into contrast with one another. 
And these two like social engineering plans are like really at each other's throats throughout the series. Uh, and then after the Great Schism, the Arbiter, as a title, returns to its original pre-covenant meaning of high military commander. Uh, and then it like transforms a second time after the Great Schism, where some, some elites remain loyal to the Covenant and others return to uh, Sankhili. I mean, I'm into it. Uh, I, I often do feel, though, like... I always get into the idea of Halo, like lear- learning this lore stuff, and then I play the campaigns, and I'm like, this stuff is Not so jammed matters. to the margins <laughs> yep. that I'm like, I sure wish we were getting a bit more of this. Uh, so what you're saying is you should play through the Halo campaigns with a lore guide. No. <laughs> well, that's a wrap on today's episode of Waypoint Look, Radio. If you it's want only 42 and a half hours to play all of the mainline Halo games one through five. You can follow it's us just on Twitter. One Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah, exactly. At How long did we Facebook play Stalker for? That was Waypoint like a twenty-hour game. I will be your lore guide, Rob. It's two stalkers. Let me, let me take you underneath my lore wing. Is that good? <laughs> Ren is Ren is now flapping her mighty wings, uh, both protectively but also demonstrating their power. It's true. It's, it's true. a little bit of a threat. It is true. It is a bit like a condor, like uh, like stre- stretching its wings as well. Like I, I feel right, like once small you get prey animal. You're, you're not sure what's going to happen. A small prey animal where suddenly the ground is just gone and we are soaring higher and higher <laughs> into the air. Well, if I've already done one of these games, I should do all of them. Yes. You can follow me on Twitter at Rob Zachney. Patrick, where are you? You can follow me at Patrick Klopik. Weird West is pretty cool. We're going to talk about it more on Mondays. Check out our stream of it on on Twitch. I will say I was playing it last night without us streaming together. I found it a little bit less fun because there are like a lot of down periods. I was worried. I was, I thought maybe I hadn't, I was wondering that like our dynamic was enhancing what was there. There are a lot of Um, slow parts where it sure is more fun with someone around because you're waiting for the interesting stuff to happen. All Uh, right. Well, um, I'll visit some of that over the weekend. Ren, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter defending Halo 5 at Ren or Maven. To slide Kata. into those DMs at a underscore Kato underscore no. appears. Do, do not do this shit in public. Do not like, get in my DMs. I will. I will. I will fight you in the fucking streets of Twitter.com. <laughs> Kato, what can you find me on Twitter? Uh, you can also go check out what we published on waypoint.vice.com this week. We have a terrific review of the excellent Norco, which Ren talked about last week. Uh, Cameron Kunzman was good enough to write an essay on it and really brought out some of the fascinating characters that exist at both the center and margins of Norco's story. Uh, we have also been streaming a whole bunch thanks to Waypoint Plus. And as you probably saw last Saturday, we were in New York for a studio stream. We played a bunch of games and finally broke the seal on Kato's copy of Bloodborne. Uh, the first time that game has been played by humans. Mm. We raised about <laughs> 65 grand for Trans Lifeline. Uh, but if you want to help us run up the score in overtime, I think the donation link is still live at yeah. SavePoint.stream. Uh, we also started a test sale of some merch. It's something that we've wanted to do for a while. And thanks to our comrade and hero of Waypoint, Rachel Pick, uh, who I want to note has been good enough to take on a huge amount of the administrative workload for everything cool happening around Waypoint Plus. Uh, we were able to finally launch waypointgeneralstore.com. Now, as with everything we do, this came together hot. And so right now we basically have a test item up there. It's a coffee mug with the waypoint diamond on both sides for righties and lefties. I think we get ours on Monday. I Ooh. think that's what we're shipping. I saw I people saw, already yeah. posting pictures of theirs. Yeah, people are. I, I, I know, but them. I think all, all, like the ones, the the sample ones that yeah. were ordered for for the for all of us. But the yeah. fulfillment is fast. I'm excited. Yeah. I want my mug. All right. 
Well, let us know how they are. <laughs> uh, I mean, actually, quite seriously, because like we're like the the process going forward is figuring out like contracting with artists as we figure out what merch we want to do. Um, having folks like Rachel order samples to figure out like how the shirts feel and things like that. We're there will be like real work put in to, as we expand uh, this out. So I don't know. Let us know how the process was um, for yourself, both in terms of the product and buying it and all, all that sort of stuff, because that that will inform what we do in the months ahead. Uh, now worth noting, of course, once we finally do have all our ducks in a row and we've like created some designs, we've tested some merch for new stuff, like samples for new stuff we can offer. Um, we're, we're going to retire that mug. Uh, it is, it is sort of a, a beta mug, um, in the software sense, not the like, you know, alpha or beta. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not like, but it will make you feel cool. Beta yeah. have yeah. a limited merch. edition mug. No, ordering, ordering that mug is an alpha move. Let's be clear. <laughs> And um, for, is the is the profit sharing with TransLifeline still happening? That'll through this run week? through, yeah, through yeah. the end of the week, yeah, yeah. So we also started a Waypoint Plus sale uh, last Saturday. You can use the promo code SavePointSavings when you go to WaypointPlus.com. If you're listening to this before 8 p.m. Eastern Sunday, you can learn you can get 25% off your annual membership. Uh, and then, as far as the mug goes, through Sunday. Uh, half the proceeds from the mug sales will be donated to Trans Lifeline. Uh, so even the sixty-five thousand number I quote is probably no longer accurate. We're 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 well north of that, uh, thanks to the sales so far. Um, so if that sounds good, if you just want more Waypoint, uh, you can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe. Remember to use that. Uh, remember to use that promo code uh, save save point savings. Uh, that gives you access to our premium feed, but it also helps us. Uh, you know, continue to do what we do at Waypoint and make time for streams like the uh, Weird West stream, uh, which I think Patrick and I are going to be exploring a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. next week. Our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Uh, for now, we are calling time on this week. We will talk to you again next week. Until then, fuck capitalism, but buy our mug and go home. <laughs> <laughs> Markets are not necessarily capitalism. Exchange of goods and services, yeah. not necessarily capitalism. No. It's a totally different relationship. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's 100%. true. <laughs> the Halo Five of capitalism. Oh, wait, I swear to God. I swear <laughs> to God, Patrick, that doesn't even work in this. Context. I saw your tweets. Don't act like you're you're already out here. Wait, I'm I'm, I'm already- sorry. Is somebody tweeting from in the sacred bubble? Of the podcast <laughs> recording? Yes, I uh, I have this tweeted sh- out, I am the Halo 5 Defender and none of you motherfuckers can stop me. And guess what? There is not a single person who fucking disagrees with me in the, in, uh, in the replies to that tweet there are people that say, yeah. uh, for example, uh, the campaign wasn't good, but forget all that. So, you know, just a ringing endorsement of Halo 5. One person. <laughs> One. All right. Blah, blah, blah. I had a better time, sorry, the campaign is a hot mess and I had a bunch of technical issues, but if it was available on PC, it would be hands down the best Halo multiplayer experience possible. Uh, so that's one, that's one person oh, saying the multi- multiplayer experience? Yeah. No, yeah, it's, it's not. not. Oh, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. That is one person saying that the multiplayer is good and the campaign is bad. Everyone else is on board with me. Listen. I, oh, fucker. <laughs> Listen. Rob, one day you'll see. Rob, one day you'll see. Oh, no, I will because I'm going to play them all. Uh, we just will see. We will just see. As soon as what? Just as soon as what? Rob? As I do it. Rob. <laughs> Rob. <laughs> She's beating her wings again. <laughs> right, we're done. Go <laughs> home. Bye.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.